It's not calling you Josh Frydenberg, it's calling you Dosh Frydenberg. Under the coalition, taxes for hard-working Australians will always be lower. Well, g'day listeners and welcome to Hard Hats and High Viz with the two Jacks, Jack the Insider, that's me, Peter Hoisted to my mum. And Hong Kong Jack, that's Jack Hoisted, former Labor man, now resident in Hong Kong. G'day, Jack. G'day. Oh, I know you've got the day off today, public holiday, Labor Day in uh, well, in Hong Kong. Well, it's Labor Day, or more you know, more precisely, May Day, I suppose, oh, in, yes. uh, in, uh, in Singapore, Hong Kong, and all through China. And, um, and listeners will be able to tell the difference to, today because what, they're not knocking up a 60-storey building right next to me. <laughs> it's, it's not a celebration of the 40-hour week, is it? Because uh, nah. I don't think you have one of those in Hong Kong. Uh, it's more the traditional May Day Labor holiday. Uh, Hong, Hong Kong has more, more public holidays than any other well, country protectorate on earth. We do right? like we do like a public holiday here, um, <laughs> yes, uh, and, the, uh, and they're very, they're very inclined to celebrate um, all of the various religious festivals. Uh, you know, um, so uh, we we like a day off. Excellent work, excellent work. And look, hard hats and high vis is an election podcast where we go behind the media coverage, behind the hard hats and high vis theatre, and use our expertise developed over too many elections to count, Jack. Too many because it'd make us seem very, very old if we could remember. <laughs> we we actually counted all the ones that we can remember. Yeah, but we'll tell you what's really going on behind behind uh, the scenes, and that, and that's because politics is a game. Uh, that uh, where often things are not as they appear. And so we'll try and strip back some of the veneer there and, and give you what's going on. And listeners, we need your help to spread the good word on this podcast to political animals animals everywhere. If you like what you're listening to, please give us a shout out on social media. Tell your friends, spread the good word and get our listener numbers up. Now, Jack, uh, let's kick it off. Has Albanese's COVID absence, he was uh, on the pine for seven days, uh, has that been good or bad for Labor? Well, I don't think it's been bad. Um, uh, Elbow, um, uh, his little uh, uh, visual did, stuff was, was was okay. Yeah, he did his um, interviews and things like that. It, it was certainly a win for Jason Clare. Um, yes. Uh, who's um, who's uh, gone, up the, gone up the table with a bullet. Um, he's had a really good week. Um, yeah, the Australian had... Uh, uh, a bit of a comment from readers there saying Jason Clare should be the leader. Yeah. A I bit late for that, though, isn't he? <laughs> a bit late for that. It is a bit late for that. I thought he fumbled the ball a little bit yesterday uh, before the launch. He sounded a bit like um, Bill Shorten had been supplying him with 2019 Bill Shorten zingers. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, and um, uh, he put them over a bit better than Bill, but the the, the politician as stand up comedian thing no, never just, works that it well. It just doesn't it, work. They they really don't know how to tell a joke. So there's this, no. always this long lead up, and then they fumble their way through the punchline. Yeah, there, there um, are a few exceptions. Um, uh, there was a, a Bob Hawke's wonderful joke about Indira Gandhi, which we won't put on put back on air. Um, one uh, other time for sure. And um, 
but but very few of them can tell a joke. And and I thought, Jason, well, you shouldn't have done it. But, you know, yeah. yeah, but overall, good performance. And we'll talk yeah. about a policy that he launched uh, uh, shortly. But uh, there was the Labor launch uh, last night. And it is, of course, as we say, not quite May 1. It's the 2nd of May. Uh, and as of the 9th of May, uh, voters can uh, wander down to the ballot box and start voting. So we're only a week away before that happens. So we had the launch, the Labor launch. Um, do, do launches matter? I don't think they change too many votes, do they? I think they used to matter. Um, back when we had, you know, two television stations um, and everybody watched the same thing on you, the You television. were a country boy. We had yeah. four in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that's right. right. Yeah. Um, uh, and in those days, it did matter, but um, I don't think they do matter much. Um, it's I, really I, now a cel- sort of celebration for the faithful, isn't it? It, you know? it is, yeah, yeah. And, and so they, they, they tried, I noticed PJ Cody, the great man, was there, and uh, and you the <laughs> and, and there were numerous selfies. I think Kevin Rudd is still popular. I saw Elbow giving him a big hug. So, so they, they dragged Kevin Rudd out of... Uh, out of the mire there, and all was forgiven briefly, and uh, and and a good time was had by all. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know that matter much. I, I was more impressed with the, the 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 press conference on the on the Saturday before the launch. Yeah, um, I didn't think it went well for Labor. I think I might have sent you a this WhatsApp. Was the, this was the team the team job, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I think I might have sent you a WhatsApp and thought and said, "Look, thank you know, for, for Labor's sake. I hope no one's watching this." Um, <laughs> uh, uh, because, and I'm pretty sure no one was. Um, uh, uh, the, um, the all the shadow ministers were falling over one another to, to get to the microphone so they could announce. Yet another new program, you know, and and the programs all seem designed to make us taller and better looking and happier and uh, better <laughs> off and um, and money um, and big money and, and and big money, you know, um, yeah, uh, yeah. and and no one would be left behind, so everyone would be better off and no one would be worse off, um, and that was sort of <laughs> reminding me of Labor in twenty nineteen and the problems they had with over promising. Um, and people just looked at him and said, "No, nah, that's not going to happen." No, yeah, and and not getting the opportunity to deliver. Um, no. Yeah, look, uh, I, 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 I do think you know. Well, if, if listeners, I just want to remind listeners for the first time, Jack uh, actually provided Labor with a list of things that they should not be talking about, and I think number one was no big spending programs. Yeah, pretty um, much, and. Um, and, and that's not to say you go in there no policies, but that's but you don't start with the sort of multi billion dollar investments that you need to make. And and Albanese so far has done that. Um, he's basically saying it's it's it, it's going to be a change of government, but really just more of the same, but with different people. Well, it's it's going to be a refreshment of the government um, yeah. and getting rid of a government that's tired and replacing it with a little bit of fresh energy. And and that's the message I think they should be pushing all the time. And, and yeah, and that's that, as, as you say, that was a list of things they that you created that they do need to talk about. And top of that list was this is an old style government uh, that has run out of ideas and energy. And that was the message that they should be getting across ad Ad nauseum, and they have been doing that. It's like and, and the reason, and the reason the, you uh, do the that podcast, is, Jack. and the reason you do that is, 
it is because that's the reason why Australians generally change their federal vote, government. Vote governments, yeah. yeah it doesn't yeah. happen often. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about that sense, you know, that there often is a very strong sense that a government is about to be hurled out. We got it very markedly in 2007 and then again in 2013. You felt across the country that there was going to be a change and whether that's the sensation at the moment, we'll get to that shortly. Mm. Now, Labor has been policy light. There's no doubt about that. Um, uh uh, but uh, Jason Clare, the star, the, the emerging star, a bloke who's uh, kicked a couple of goals with his first uh, couple of kicks in in footy. Uh, Jason Clare, he's been around Labor for a long time, of course, but he, in terms of the leadership stakes, he really has stepped up. He is also Labor's housing spokesman, and uh, they did release a policy yesterday, which is a very modest policy, helping 10,000 modest income earners uh, the government will co-buy a home for each of these 10,000 modest income earners by contributing up to 40% of the purchase price. Is that a good idea, Jack? Well, it's probably good if you're trying to sell a house. It's going to bump up the housing <laughs> prices straight away, it's, I would have thought. Not, you know, um, it's, uh, it's not going to take any of the heat out of housing, is it? No, nah, it's not. But it's a a $329 million policy to administer over four years. So that's a pretty, pretty small spend, isn't it? It's it's just a... It's sending a signal. That's what it is, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it is one of those topics, I dare say, that that Labor needs to talk about housing. Yeah. There clearly is a housing Hang shortage on. in this country. And there, there are rents going through the roof. And, uh, and, 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 and basically a lot of people, particularly the young under 40s, are saying we are being priced out of the housing market. This sort of scheme might just sort of add to their woes, but at least it's talking about one thing that Labor is strong at and the coalition has been found to be doing nothing about for a very long time, and that's housing in the country, around the, around the countryside, particularly in the big cities. Yeah, it's a political play rather than a real policy, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's what it seems like to me. $329 million is not going to solve a housing crisis in any country and certainly not one with 25 million people, uh, the majority of which live in big cities. But it's all, it's all mine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a house of your substantial value would, uh, would would qualify, Jack. I think we are talking about houses way out in the suburbs, yeah. uh, for the most part, new builds, I would think. Yeah. Um, the other thing, the other major thing that's coming, uh, we are on the eve of it, is the RBA meets tomorrow, Jack, and they will, they will look at interest rate rises. It's tipped that they will rise, if not tomorrow, then very, very soon. But if they do... Tip a, uh, or if they do uh, um, bring about the RBA acts independent of government, of course. If they do bring, um, uh, if they do bring about a rate rise, that would immediately mean the commercial or retail banks will raise their interest rates alongside, perhaps even a little bit more than the RBA takes uh, raises the official cash rate. Must be said, the official cash rate's virtually negligible, isn't it? Um, I think it's about 0.1 of a percent. So uh, we're looking at uh, we're looking at a rise there. If not tomorrow, uh, then uh, within within the next month or so. But it would be if it does if the RBA does does uh, jump them up tomorrow. 
it would not be a great look for the Morrison government, would it? No, well, people sort of say, well, at least it's not going to be back to the 15% that you, know, that you and I can remember. Um, but it doesn't need to be. If you double the interest rate, if you take it from, you know, take your mortgage rate from 3% to 6%, that's a big, big hit for a lot of people. Um, and, There's also um, the symbolic, yeah, it is. Uh, it will be certainly for those uh, for those uh, home buyers who've just jumped into the market hmm. because they've bought probably at the top of the at the top of the market and and leverage themselves. If they've leveraged themselves at ninety to even a hundred percent of the cost of the house, they might be in a bit of strife if they haven't uh, budgeted for a little bit of wiggle room, Jack. That's right, but uh, am I right in remembering there was an interest rate rise in the two thousand during the two thousand seven campaign? Yes, and it was it was I remember it was a, a highly controversial. Um, uh, the the coalition couldn't take a trick, uh, and uh, and then they had that to deal with, and I think that was. Uh, Oh, within within a couple of weeks of the poll itself, and uh, look um, by that stage, it was pretty much all over anyway. It was it was all it was all yeah it was all over by that stage. It was kind of the last nail in the Howard government coffin, uh, and there was plenty of bleeding on their side uh, with the RBA. How dare they, you know, politicise this and all that sort of stuff? But. There was no avoiding it, and, and interest rates went up in, in, at a time where interest rates were reasonably high. Certainly not as low as they are at the moment. Um, so those, so that, that's 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 something that we'll watch. Perhaps it, it adds, perhaps that's uh, that sort of symbolism uh, around this very old style government, um, and uh, you know that, that that confirms that sort of labour narrative about an old style government. Uh, really uh, uh, battling away here. They're trying to establish themselves as, as better economic managers, but um, uh, but uh, sort of struggling with the hard facts of it. There's some other things going on too, Jack, and uh, I just wanted to talk about them. Uh, Andrew Constance, you would know, is the uh, former New South Wales Treasurer and Transport Minister. Uh, he uh, he resigned from the New South Wales Parliament and is standing as the uh, Liberal candidate for Gilmore, which is a, uh, a seat held by Labor. Uh, and uh, he said, "This is not this election is not about Scott Morrison." Uh, and he went on to say that it was about building communities and what community, you know, the the, the what, what communities themselves reflected as the best way forward and all this sort of stuff, um, which is kind of nice fluff, but really he was trying to downplay the leadership of Scott Morrison. And that's an issue for the coalition, isn't it? it, it well, if, if they're doing that, it must be. <laughs> this, this, sort of, this sort of smacks of uh, local feedback or internal bowling, doesn't it? Yeah, it is indeed. You know, that's exactly what it's what it sounds like. Um, uh, local feedback saying, <laughs> "No, no, thank you." Now, Gilmore, it must be said. Um, uh, I think Fiona Fiona Martin is the uh, is the Labor uh, MP there. Uh, is probably well, not probably. It is the Liberals' best chance in Australia of winning a Labor seat. Uh, and and Constance is a sort of high-profile candidate. And uh, really, if they stand any chance of even forming a minority government, you would think they need to win Gilmore to offset losses uh, to their own marginals against Labor and, of course, potentially some of the 
losses uh, to the Climate 200 independence in Melbourne and Sydney and one in Perth. Um, but the other thing that caught my eye, someone sent me a copy of a poster. In fact, it wasn't the poster. It was the, the big banner outside the electoral office in Shepparton uh, where the sitting member, Damien Drum, is uh, retiring in the, in the seat of Nichols, used to be called Murray. Um, and uh, there's a whole, there's the, the new candidate there, the new National Party candidate, and there's three from the Victorian uh, uh, lower house, three National Party candidates. There's the Bridget McKenzie. And you look at that poster and go, what's wrong with this picture, Jack? What's wrong with this picture? What is, and there's actually room, right? There's, there's room, but there's someone missing. Any guess on who that might be? Oh, it could be Barnaby. Barnaby. <laughs> Doesn't he make a colour photo look good, Barnaby? Yeah. So it's a surprise that he wasn't there. And this, is, again, comes up to this, uh, comes back to this, uh, we really don't want to talk about our leaders all that much. Could be. Now, I'm, 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 I had to, had to look up what the seat of Nichols, which, which area the seat of Nichols covered, because I hadn't heard of it. Um, You're on stopping ground, it used to be known as Murray, and I've got a disclosure here. I lived for 20-plus years in the seat of Murray, as it was then. Um, yeah, Shepparton and up all the way to, well, New Merca. Uh, yeah, Cobram. Uh, Cobram. Yeah, um, I lived in all of those places. Chica, yeah, all, yeah, those, yeah. Uh, all those lovely places by the Murray there. Um, yeah. yeah, it used to be called Murray, and for some reason they just, just, just decided that was old hat. I don't think there's anything intrinsically wrong with uh, Murray. I mean, there was with Batman. There were political concerns about the name of Batman and that was renamed. Um, but uh, Murray is the name of the river. Um, so I don't think there's anything particularly wrong there. And I'm not sure who it was named after. Perhaps surpassed the Doug Nichols, I think it could be named after. Yeah. Could well I, suspect, be. I, sus I suspect it was. My first thought it might have been Big John from Carlton. Big, uh, Big John, yeah. well, he's from Maribury. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit out of the territory. But yeah. Big John, the, the former Carlton captain, coach, premiership player and, uh, and uh, legend of the game, AFL legend. Um, you know, I, uh, I suspect it's Pastor Doug Nichols because uh, I think he was from uh, originally from Cumra Gunja, which is on in the electorate or on the edge of the electorate um, uh, at Barmer there. Um, so it could well be that. Um, uh, I'm not surprised really that Barnaby's a bit on the nose in a seat like Nichols. Um, he's sort of it's not really his territory. He's very much a you know. Queensland, Northern New South Wales kind of politician, and that doesn't necessarily play, play well as far south as the Murray. Well, they do talk, uh, uh, the sophologists and, and commentators talk about the Barnaby line now, Jack, and it runs around the sort of central New South Wales, pretty much along the Darling River, and everything yeah. above is okay to mention Barnaby Joyce's name, but everything below... He is, uh, he, he is not to be mentioned, not to be photographed, not to be appearing on uh, billboards, um, uh, core flutes or uh, any signage around the place. Well, we've known for a long time that there is a, a separate breed of Queensland politician, don't we? You know, uh, that you can, you know, <laughs> it, it's hard to imagine. Who's the big fellow, Russ Hins, ever being a politician south of the Tweed, you know, um, uh, yeah, well, look, um, uh, <laughs> it's definitely right. Some wonderful stories about the about Big Russ. He was a terrible, terrible human being. Of course, he had, I think, four uh, charges of uh, 
uh, of corruption uh, uh, outstanding when he uh, when he uh, fell off the branch. He would have left a nice old divot too when he landed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was part of that JB Oki Peterson regime. Perhaps not as bad as Joe, not as corrupt yeah. as Joe. There, there, when he was police minister, he, he he had a good look around there and went. Gee, this is a bit rich even for me. And, <laughs> and so Joe had to flick him, had to flick him out of the police ministry. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, that's what we're seeing. Um, the, the Joyce line, if we want to call that, but also more importantly, in a very important seat for the coalition, uh, the uh, the candidate there, the high profile candidate, is pl- downplaying the role of Scott Morrison. Um, yeah, but. And, and it's really hard to downplay your leader because your, your leader is, he's the man. I mean, he's running around to impress us every day. He's, uh, he's uh, lead off uh, on the news uh, and, the, and the election coverage yeah. of news every day. Um, and so it, it really is one of those things that uh, you can talk, oh, it's all about communities and getting together and feeling warm and cuddly. Um, but really, it's not something you can you can uh, clearly do. You you, you mentioned um, a piece in the Australian today, a, a, an op-ed from Chris Mitchell, uh, the former editor in chief of the Australian, uh, and he and he said that Morrison needs to put some distance between himself and Labor on climate change. Both have fifty percent, fifty percent. So no, so sorry, but both have. Uh, net zeros by 2050, both the coalition and Labor, uh, they, they they vary a little bit in terms of how to get there and and what the benchmarks are along the way. Um, but uh, Chris reckons uh, Morrison should get up and uh, and put some distance between themselves and Labor. Is that a good idea? Well, he, he made the point that uh, the last time that the, the two parties were aligned on uh, on climate change issues or climate change policies was 2007 and the Liberals lost. Uh, and that's a fair point to make. Um, uh, the other point I think it's important to note is, is that around the world, the net zero by 2050 uh, target is being put on ice pretty much, especially in Europe. Uh, and that's partly as a result of the Russia-Ukraine uh, conflict. And the energy crisis around And that, that results from that, um, you know, so that... Well, if it's not a crisis now, it will be next week. I mean, it, it is really, really a big problem for Europe. It is. So um, uh, actions are being taken now in Germany and plans are being made in um, uh, in Italy, et cetera, et cetera, to... To, to walk back from their closure of uh, coal-fired power stations, etc., they'll be they'll be they'll be they'll be busily dusting them off and reopening them. Pretty soon. <laughs> so, so, well, I hope they're in better nick than Chernobyl, but but uh, yeah, look, yeah, there, there, there is there is there's kind of drive. I mean, the the, uh, the conflict in Ukraine is driving a lot of a lot of big problems for the world. Uh, not just uh, the military invasion itself, but um, driving some big impacts on on economies uh, and and energy policy. The the that whole concept of of uh, of net zero by twenty fifty being dead was actually put about by National Party or LNP senator, but National Party senator for Queensland Matt Canavan, who said last week uh, to uh, to media that. 
basically. Net zero by 2050 was dead. Uh, and, of course, that became a problem because Morrison, because the, the coalition had very sensitively put this decision together and, and there was money thrown at the Nats and all this sort of stuff uh, last year in order for uh, Australia to move forward and hit that 2050 uh, net zero target. I'm not quite sure how the coalition's going to get there, but, um, but all of a sudden Morrison had to deal with this issue of one of his... Um, coalition uh, colleagues saying uh, net zero by 2050 was dead and he well, said that's that's not our policy that's not even national party policy that's 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 not what that's not what we're talking about we have this policy like this so he has basically almost sort of painted himself into a corner over that and and this really does take away from Labor's issue of having to run two policies, one in one in Central Queensland and one in uh, one in Brunswick. Well, they might both be in the same situation, having to have a kind of a two face policy, if you like. You know. Yeah. Well, it's certainly you know that it, this is another reason why I just see that uh, the, the camp, the, the coalition's campaign is not going well, in my view. I know we had Elbow making slip ups and, and and basic mistakes in the first week. <laughs> Thankfully, got some COVID and got a, got a chance to go away and have a good look at himself. But really, I don't reckon the coalition's ca- campaign is, is, has been worth much at all. Well, I think on, on issues like climate change, um, it's all very well for people will tell you that they are keen to, to meet the net zero by 50 target, et cetera, et cetera, and they, and they remain keen on it until you tell them that it's going to cost them money and then they lose interest very quickly. And, 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 and if, if, if the coalition are going to win the election or remain in government more precisely, um, they need to understand that where they're target, where their path to victory lies, people are not keen on spending money on climate change. Well, their pathway to victory is they need to to win Labor marginals, Jack. That's that's their pathway to victory. That's their only pathway to victory because, uh, and we'll talk about the Teals in a moment, the the Climate 200 Mm. independents, but it would seem likely that they are going to lose some uh, of their blue ribbon seats. Uh, they've got 77 at the moment. Uh, it would seem likely that they're going to lose a couple in WA to Labor, a couple of their marginals there, and make, make perhaps even a third to an independent. So you, when you do the maths on this, one in, one in, uh, one in South Australia, in Boothby, they look uh, pretty much roll gold certainties to lose. And then there's a handful around the country. It doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of change in terms of seats at this stage, but it does look like Labor are going to pick up six uh, or so, uh, just on the numbers, and then the coalition will lose two or three, maybe more, to the independents. So how do they, how on earth are they going to get, not to 76 necessarily, but to some sort of competitive number around perhaps 72 or 73? And the, the only answer to that is they must pick up Labor marginals. And it's hard to see where. I mean, I think Gilmore is, is they've got a big chance there, but there's there's not a lot in Queensland that's in the offing. Um, that that's where they had the success in 2019. Uh, that they were able to basically 
pick up a pick up a Labor seat there or, there, or two there, and and bolster their majorities in Queensland. But it seems like Queensland won't have a big impact on this election. I think that Labor's only pathway to victory is to win a majority of seats in their own right. Uh, well, that brings us to our next topic, Jack. So that means Labor's got to win 76. They're currently on 69. So they need, well, they will be net 70 because they pick up uh, the seat of Hawke, uh, named, uh, named after the great RJL. Uh, and, uh, and, and so that will give them net 70 and they need six from there. Um, they it's look, on the betting, they are firm favourites to win six. They are uh, either neck and neck or a couple of cents in front in another three others. So I guess what's what we're looking at is wh- whether they're going over the next couple of weeks to get that sort of confidence among among the general electorate to uh, to get to that majority. That's presuming they don't lose any. So there's a, there's a misconception um, that I keep hearing from uh, progressive pals that Labor has a pathway to victory through the teal, uh, the independents yeah. winning those seats. And I just don't see that as a pathway to victory for Labor at all. I think a lot of people are blind to it. And 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 it's something we talked about in last week's program was this rise, the rise of the Climate 200 independents where they are taking on and are very good chances to win uh, blue ribbon seats in in Melbourne, the blue ribbon seat of Kuyong, where the sitting member is the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, uh, Tim Wilson, another prominent MP in Goldstein, is under threat. Uh, <clears throat> um, the uh, sitting member of Wentworth, Dave Sharma, is under uh, is under uh, threat from the independent candidate Allegra Spender, Sophie uh, uh, Sophie uh, <coughs> Champ. Champs, Scamps, yes, Sophie Scamps is is the climate independent. Uh, candidate uh, up against uh, Jason Falinski and McKellar, a very safe Liberal seat. Uh, Zali Stegall will almost certainly retain in uh, in Warringah. Uh, and uh, and then there's another very, very strongly favoured candidate against Trent Zimmerman in North Sydney. They could easily pick up, uh, well, be sitting, find themselves. They said there's four already of these independent 200s they are already sitting members. They will all be re-elected. Rebecca Sharkey in Mayo, um, uh, Helen Haynes in Indi, uh, <coughs> Wilkie in in, uh, in Clark, which used to be called Denison in Tasmania, and Zali Stegall, as we mentioned before, in Warringah. So they've already got four. If they add to that number by two or three, they get a significant block on the crossbench, and that would allow at least some of them to determine who forms the next government. Yes. It, and we are presuming, of course, that Labor doesn't get to 76, and otherwise all this is academic. But if Labor hits 75, 74, picks up a few seats but not enough to form majority... I think people are in for a bit of a shock. I think I, I, I don't see the Teals, the Climate 200 independents, coming out and voting uh, as a block for Labor and allowing them to form majority government. I think I don't think there will be a block form anyway, not across the whole not across the whole lot of them. They say six or seven, eight, nine maybe. Uh, and uh, but I think blocks within that will form. 
within that group of, of those elected to the crossbenchers and uh, and that those people will assist the government, the Morrison government, in forming, uh, ne- in forming government in the next parliament, uh, provided Morrison doesn't get too far away. He's really got to get 71, 72. He does. In order for that to happen. He does. Um, the reason why I don't think the Teals are going to become de facto Labor uh, allies uh, is that for almost all of them that would be political suicide uh, because they're, they're going to be representing what are essentially Liberal seats and we've seen what happens to independents who help form a Labor government um, uh, in, Tony in Wins the hung parliament. Tony Windsor, Yep. Um, they, you know, I, I think Tony Windsor didn't stand again um, right. uh, and Rob Oshock was defeated. So um, yeah. uh, that's, and, the and, fate, that's the fate that awaits the Teal candidates who help form a Labor government, I, I suspect, and I suspect that they know that and will know that um, uh, um, when the time comes for them to make their decision. Yeah, I'm getting the I'm getting the view though that across certainly in the Twitter sphere, there's no perception that they they think that the Teals will assist Labor to form a government. They certainly won't do so as a block. In fact, officially, what they're saying, Jack, is that they will make these determinations individually, and that they will you know that yeah. they they take no instructions from Climate Two Hundred, uh, that they will make their decisions individually. So, um, what I would expect is that no block of the of all of these climate two hundred independents, whether it's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, will will support a government, but some of those numbers uh, will will provide enough support for the coalition should it find itself in a hung parliament situation for it to for it to form the next government. Well, I think I think Morrison's yeah, unless Labor gets a majority, Morrison's. Majority of its own right, um, or, or close to it, very close to it. A majority with, say, Bant and, and Wilkie. Mm. Um, if he, without that, um, Morrison, I suspect, will go to the Governor General and advise that he form a government, and he'll be, and he'll be allowed to. Yeah, that's what I actually wrote about this in the Australian last week. That's what I I am expecting to happen on the proviso that that Morrison features you know, the, the Morrison government, the coalition gets seventy plus. Yep, uh, and, and 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 Labor still falls short, um, and we might find the cross benches with eleven or twelve. There are two party aligned, as you mentioned. Adam Band from the Australian Greens would probably support Labor. Uh, good old Bob the Hat Catter uh, up in Kennedy um, will be re-elected as well, and uh, you would imagine that he would support the coalition. So there's no uh, <laughs> there's no movement to, to be had there, but. Um, yeah, it, it is one of those things that not a lot of people are watching closely enough. We did hear Zali Stegall during the week uh, mention that she would she was more likely than not to support the coalition provided provided they got rid of Scott Morrison. That's a bit rude, isn't it, Jack? Well, she's perfectly entitled to say that. Um, yeah, uh, whether yeah. that will work, I don't know. And and the member for uh, is it Boothby? Um, no, May, Mayo. <laughs> Mayo. Mayo um, uh, said that. Uh, she would be supporting the, a coalition government. Yes, she was. She would be inclined. Uh, inclined and, to support, and, and that's what they're saying. Look, it, it's probably true too. When you look across the board, I think Monique Ryan might be, might be. She's the candidate. She's the independent candidate against Jason uh, against Josh Frydenberg in 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 uh, Kuyam. 
Um, uh, I think she might be a bit of a standout, maybe Zoe Daniels. But the others, they are, when you look at them, they you would normally see these people perhaps in a kind of gentler time as Liberal, liberal candidates. Well, Allegra Spender's um, uh, uh, liberal royalty. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, you know, uh, her, her uh, father, her father and grandfather were uh, were liberal members, uh, yeah. and, minister, and ministers and ambassadors and God knows what. <laughs> yeah. So look, that's that. Uh, I think you and I are of like mind there. That, uh, that if we do find a hung parliament uh, and uh, the coalition not too far away uh, from the running, they need to be seventy plus. Uh, that I think it's likely that they would form the next government on that basis. Wouldn't need to be, uh, by the way, they wouldn't need to, and this is one of the, uh, the perceptions that seems to be, seems to have fallen into it as a truism in Australian politics. They don't need to sit down and write, a, write out an agreement, do they? They don't have no. to sign in these, uh, in these sort of, you know, these theatrical performances sign an agreement where they promise that they'll provide uh, uh, support for, uh, for, for uh, support against a no-confidence motion and, and get money bills through the House. No, no, no need to have a wedding ceremony with bits of, bits of wattle and yellow pell. Um, <laughs> all of that's just theatre. There's yeah. nothing in the Constitution or in law that says there's got to be a written agreement. It's just a question with the prime... The, 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 Sitting Prime Minister can go to the Governor-General and say, I'm confident that I have the support of the House um, and the Governor-General will give them the opportunity to prove that. They will go back and form a government and um, and it's up to the opposition then to, 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 to move a motion of no confidence and try and succeed. Of course, none of this <laughs> exactly matters right. if, La- if Labor can just cobble together 76 or so seats. Honestly, looking, and we'll just get to the polls in a minute, I think that's more likely than it was last week that Labor yeah. will get to 76. Um, and um, uh, and uh, look, but it's it's not a probability. I, I think the probability still still sticks with a hung parliament, but the polling is is pretty rock solid now. Labor's gone up a couple of points uh, in the news poll just released today, second of May. Have uh, gone up a couple of points uh, in the uh, in the, in the primary vote, but they haven't budged on fifty three forty seven. Um, but uh, Labor, the Labor thirty eight, that's where they need to be. They've got to be high thirties uh, to give themselves a chance. Now, on a fifty three forty seven, if it, if there was you know a a, a nationwide uh, uniform <coughs> swing, which of course there won't be. That definitely gives them enough seats. That gets them nine. That gets them nine, and, and and the ability to form government. But it's just about where where those votes fall if they're going to fall in the right places. Yeah. So fifty three forty seven, and it's been fifty three forty seven for for well, we're get, we're going back, we're going back uh, six eight weeks ago, having come in from fifty five forty five Labor's way. Yeah. I actually think it's looking a little bit more likely um, uh, as time goes on that yeah. Labor will be able to form a government in its own right. Um, but, you know, it's a bit, well, you a never bit, know about a bit to play out. I mean, there's, they've got a few things going for them, you know, um, that they didn't have last time. Uh, Elbow's not Bill Shorten. That's a plus. Um, a plus and a minus. I mean, 
2016. Bill did all right in 2016, but he, he yeah, he, but he was against Malcolm Turnbull, who was a terrible politician. Really, well, you reckon so. that doesn't count? All right, okay, okay. Yeah. Now he did all right in 2016, and he probably had the right people around him. And I don't think he had the right people around him in 2019. People who would say no, Bill, no, Bill, that's not yeah. a good idea, Bill. Didn't have well, enough I thought, of those people. I, I, I thought the seeds of 2019 was sown immediately after the 2016 election when he set off on a lap of honour around Australia having lost. <laughs> um, uh, uh, you don't often see that in the sporting no, you don't. arena, no, do you? No, I, I'll just I can't recall trust. having seen that before. <laughs> uh, it was it was right up there with uh, Billy Mackey Snedden saying, um, we didn't, we didn't lose win. the election. We just didn't win enough votes to succeed. <laughs> we didn't win, but we didn't lose. I think yeah. is that great is that great saying? Um, yeah. So look, uh, look, uh, approval ratings. Um, I don't see much. I mean, the Australian was running running with a headline saying that Morrison Morrison's approval ratings were were better. Uh, well, he's he's he, he continues to lead Albanese's preferred prime minister forty five thirty nine. I, I don't think that matters very much. I'll ask you in a minute. And the approval, disapproval, well, Morrison's negative nine, to, not negative nine, I should say, and Elbow's negative seven. So that, you know, more people disapprove of Morrison and Elbow uh, with just a slight, a slight variance there, nine to seven. Does any of that stuff matter, preferred PM? Oh, no, I don't know. Approval ratings? No, no. It doesn't really. I mean, I think it only matters when you have an opposition leader who is consistently in front as preferred Prime Minister. Which takes um, us back to the 2007 example where yeah, uh, yeah. from the moment um, uh, uh, Julia Gillard and Kevin Rudd walked down the, uh, the hallway, you know, hand in hand, um, uh, uh, they, they got a, a, a lead in the preferred Prime Minister stakes and, and nothing John Howard could do could shift it. And that was over a year. Yeah, yeah. Well, look... Uh, one thing we want to talk about is people will say, oh, polls, they always get it wrong. Well, they don't really. They they mostly get things right. But there have been a, a few uh, fairly significant examples around the world where they've got it wrong in recent times, and they certainly got it wrong in 2019. It looked like Labor was going to win fairly comfortably and it just didn't pan out. It's put an enormous pressure on all of the polling companies to really tighten up their methods uh, that it's, a, it's a hard hard product to sell if you don't get it right often. Often, <laughs> if you don't get it right two or three times, two times in a row, let's say, then all of a sudden uh, newspapers and and so forth who, who invest a lot of money in these things go, why why are we doing this again? Yeah. Um, look, they have changed their methods considerably. Um, uh, they are using more uh, mobile phone numbers than ever before. It used to be. A preponderance on landlines, which would would give you a demographic, you know, necessarily gives you a demographic via demographic bias. Uh, so they're better at that. They're actually better at measuring the other vote now than ever before. Um, uh, certainly, news poll don't ask would you vote Labor, Liberal, or other. Uh, they say, would you, you know, if you are in a certain seat, they will actually run through, would you vote for Labor, Liberal, whoever the whoever the parties are, uh, or indeed it, where they've run independence in the past and they know that they're going to, and of course all the nominations are in now, so they're actually able to run through that list in your electorate and say, who would you vote for? A lot more scientific than, would you vote Labor or Liberal or someone else, which is always going to give you a sort of pretty... Pretty um, a pretty rough 
uh, a pretty rough sort of a pretty rough collection of data. Um, so I, I'd expect that the polls, and we should have the caveat that the polls, it's the poll on the uh, on the day before the election, or even the morning of. That, that is the one that you need to follow, that, that you need to look at to see how accurate they are, because you're measuring voting intention when it's at its hottest. So that's mm. what we'll see. But right now, we've seen Labor fifty three forty seven increase in their two party preferred vote up to thirty eight. The coalitions, the coalitions down six points since twenty nineteen in their primary vote. Yeah. If that polling is anywhere close. To support, and that should give Labor enough seats to form government in their own majority, in their own in their own right. Um, yes. Getting to the betting markets, Jack. Well, at the start of the election, it was a buck thirty Labor uh, coalition with three ten, and now, uh, well, Labor Labor blew out a little, going from a, going up to a dollar seventy, but now they're a dollar forty, back to a dollar forty. With the coalition who got as got as short as two ten, out to two eighty five this this week, and odds just published. So Labor firming there, and and of course the the head to head market just to explain is not necessarily whether there's a hung parliament or not. It's uh, who which party uh, provides the prime minister who forms the next forms the next government. So it can work on a hung parliament as well. Labor are clear favourites to win in six coalition marginals. That's Swan and Pearce. I mentioned these before. Swan and Pearce in WA, Boothby in South Australia, Chisholm in Victoria, Reid in New South Wales. Uh, Labor has come into favouritism there again after blowing out. And Braddon in Tasmania where there's been a little bit of a shift towards Labor. Six gives them 75. Um, and as I said before, there are a number of other seats, I think three or four other seats, where they could easily win. They might just be ahead in the markets or they might be neck and neck with the coalition. So six will give them 75. They need to get one without losing any. Uh, and I do notice uh, that the, uh, the the seat we were talking about, Andrew Constance running in there in Gilmore, uh, that the coalition price is tightening a little bit there too. Um, so yes, we will see. We are starting to see a trend, and that trend, I think, is Labor getting towards a majority government. I think if we had the election last Saturday, I don't think Labor would have a majority, but I think maybe in two or three weeks' time, depending on how things go, that might be the case. Could be. Yep. Well, they're certainly looking better than they were two weeks ago. Perhaps another dose of COVID for elbow might help. <laughs> Can you get it that quickly? I don't think yeah. you can. <laughs> but maybe, maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh, you might have to pull a hammy. Uh, well, after, uh, after the press conference on Saturday, if, the, if half the cabinet got, uh, shadow cabinet got COVID and disappeared, it mightn't be a bad thing. Well, there you go. And, of course, we've just sort of gone through the whole theme. I think Scott Morris is almost certainly in Labor-held marginals is the, is the, uh, is the coalition leader that, that they dare not mention his name. Mm. Maybe we should have a campaign without any of them, Jack, and just uh, maybe that would clear things up altogether. It could do. Go back to having local members, you mean? Well, a bit of town hall debates and things. Mm. That can't be a bad thing. Mm. Mm. Now, we have been covering in our in our show so far the Peter Knott Memorial when things go wrong in a campaign. And uh, we did uh, we did the first one where uh, 
where Peter Knott, who was a Labor candidate for Gilmore, we're talking about Gilmore again <coughs> on uh, the New South Wales South Coast, and uh, he was uh, he was elected in 1993 despite letting down Paul Keating very seriously by uh, teeing up a a a, 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 a media event. Uh, with a baker in the local in the local seat in uh, near Nara, actually, and uh, Paul Keating arrived there and <laughs> received a gobful from the baker, and Peter Knott was known by Paul Keating from that point in time as the cunt from the pie shop. Very rude and unnecessary, but Peter so, Knott was so, a- so, so Peter Knott wasn't. Uh, that one of the true believers that Paul Cooney was referring to on election night when uh, he said that in 1993, when this is one for the true believers. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't have Peter Knott on that list, you don't think? <laughs> no, he had Peter Knott on another list, mate, and I just told you what that list is. It's a list of one, and uh, <laughs> it relates to <laughs> it relates to uh, the the pie shop. Uh, <clears throat> and we talked about another, another uh, moment there. We've had, I think, three or four stories about Peter Knott, who... Well, Ultimately, was was punted in '96 when um, he lost Gilmore. Uh, when uh, John Howard won, uh, swept the country and became uh, uh, prime minister, and that was in 1996. And you might have wondered what happened to Peter Not Jack after that. Uh, he didn't receive pre-selection in the following federal election. Uh, he was a teacher and, and wandered off. But after. You won't believe this, Jack. After 2001 and 9-11, he became a conspiracist. He believed that it was the government, uh, the US government, that had uh, that had taken down the two buildings and the plane strike on the Pentagon, and that was his end with the Labor Party. He became a, a little bit... Uh, he became a little bit... Uh, uh, unsteady yeah, in his mind, Jack. Does that both, does that surprise you? Not at all. Um, <laughs> in fact, there's a lot of people who got a bit unhinged about all of that, to be quite honest. It was a, it was a virus that was going around. Yes, yes. He, he, he became firmly of the belief that 9-11 was uh, an inside job. And... and um, and, and, it, uh, and it was a missile hit the Pentagon, you know, the usual. Yeah, you know. it was it was an odd conspiracy because we pretty much all saw the plane strike uh, the the two buildings in in New York, and it was in the Twin Towers, and, and it was it was like you know that you can't really convince us that this was something else. Um, but Peter Knott gave it a uh, gave it a gave it a whirl, and that was pretty much the end of his political career. And he died, I believe, in twenty fifteen. So that was the end of Peter Knott. But we'll give you more Peter Knott memorial when things go wrong in the campaign story next week. But that was the end of Peter Knott. He got his brain scrambled in the nineteen ninety three election, and uh, and that might have been where everything went all wrong for him. And we're just going to wrap up with the week ahead now, Jack. Um, uh, we've sort of indicated where, where they've been, and it's going to be really interesting to see where both Morrison and Elbow uh, focus their attention. Obviously, if the coalition thinks it's going to in a bit of trouble in some of its marginals, it will want to sandbag them. Uh, it'll be also interesting to see if they think they're in winning positions beyond Gilmore or maybe just Gilmore if they spend some time there. And all, and, and conversely, uh, a bit uh, 
bit on elbows, a bit better what where elbow will be and, and whether he's looking at marginals that perhaps aren't in our list at the moment, whether they think Labor's going, going to go a little bit better than we, we think. What do you reckon Labor's got to do this week just to keep things rolling along? Oh, they just got to keep absolutely pushing day in, day out. This government's run its course. And, uh, and, 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 and that's the focus on Morrison? Yeah, well, yeah, I think probably I would be pushing on Morrison, but, but, but not just Morrison, but the government itself has run its course. The government as a whole has run its course. All right. Okay. So to, me, that's, to me, that's nearly always the path to victory, um, uh, you know, um, in, in changes of federal government in Australia. Yeah, we just mentioned that. I mean, it, I, I know you're in, obviously you're in Hong Kong, so you're not going to pick up this sort of census. I mean, there was a very clear sense that the government was going to change in 2007 and yep. likewise in 2013 um, <clears throat> and when it went the other way. I'm not getting that just yet, but there, but I do get this, the sense that there is a pretty much profound dislike of Scott, Scott Morrison and a sense that his government has had plenty of opportunities. Let's, let's leave it at that, perhaps, you know, that they've had plenty of opportunities. It's very hard for them to make arguments about policy now, isn't it? It is. The only exception to that to that way that we change government in, in my lifetime, really, I mean, even, even Whitlam, um, there was a lot of positive about what Whitlam was offering, um, but even so... Uh, Bill McMahon was a pretty terrible Prime Minister and the government had run out of steam. It had been there for 23 years, so that mm. was true. Both things were true there. The, the exception probably was the Hawke election where people just loved Hawkey and, and, and thought he, you know, he, he could be our leader. Um, uh, but that's not, that's not been true of any Prime Minister since. Yes, it, it, it probably is a, a sense, if we wanted to try and put it up in a sentence, a, a, a view that we might not have that great leader, that great inspirational leader coming our way, but at least we might have a, a group of people who, who, who might be a little bit more enthusiastic about their tasks than the current one. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and might have a couple of fresh ideas that help out. Yeah. Yeah, look, and we're going to wrap it up there. But listeners, we'd love to hear from you. And we, we actually are open to vicious criticism, aren't we, Jack? You know, and it can be nice, <laughs> it can be pleasant criticism, but we're open to any sort of form of criticism. And, and we'd, we'd love uh, for you to let us know what you think about the show, how wonderful it is, or how especially awful it is, either way, or, or anything in between. Drop us a line, Mark, to the attention of the two Jacks at the Conditional Relief Program at gmail.com. Jack, fantastic uh, to have you with me today again. Enjoy the rest of your day, by the way. It's still quite early in Hong Kong. Are you heading down for some liquid refreshment later on? I'm, uh, I'm catching up this afternoon with a, with a, a pal who's just returned, uh, uh, just got out of quarantine this morning. Oh, um, you'll be uh, thirsty. He, 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 he popped back to the U.S., for to see his parents and have a bit of a holiday back in about, back in about July or August last year. So he's finally he was going for a month, I think. He's finally made it back. Uh, it's it's great to see that Hong Kong is starting to basically lift a lot of these very very harsh uh, uh, quarantine uh, methods. So you'll be uh, you'll be al- al- allowed to get out and have uh, 
Enjoy, enjoy some liquid refreshment later today. Look I shall forward. indeed. All right. Well, that's great. Thank you very much, listeners, and we'll leave it there and uh, we'll join you next week for week five in Hard Hats and High Viz.